Steven is going to have a hard time editing this. Yeah, I'm going to be erring like every three seconds. You guys are can killing you, me. Can you earn again real quick? I need to compose myself yep. before I go I'm going to count to five and then err. So one, okay. two, three, four. Uh, meh, meh, meh. to a special edition of Random Encounter, the RPG Fan Podcast. Uh, we promised this episode back in November, but here it is at last. This is our Music of the Year podcast, uh, where we're going to go over and listen to some of our favorite music from 2012. Um, with me today, I have my associate with RPG Fan. That'd be me. I'm Derek Embryon on the boards, and I like uh, video game music. Imagine that on this podcast, right? Wait. We're talking about music? No, I'm just kidding. Also with me, I have uh, RPG fan uh, alumnus. Hey, I'm Patrick Gann, Ramza on the RPG fan forums, and I'm the one who made Steven do this, and by this I mean everything cool. That makes both of us sound really fantastic. Lastly, we have a very special guest. Hi, I'm Don from Square Enix Music Online. I don't have a username on the RPGM uh, RPG fan forums because I am the forums. He is the forums. Posting on his body for a decade and he loves it. And uh, you got I got me am, all tatted up with great comments about game music. And I am regular guy. I am Stephen Taylor on the boards, and I write for RPG fan as well. Basically, today what we're going to do is we're going to talk a little bit about some of our favorite tracks from 2012. We'll introduce a track say a couple things about it, and then we'll let you listen to it. We'll also listen to it, and then we'll come back. We'll chat a little bit about it, and then you know we'll move through that until we've played everybody's really awesome picks. So for me, I decided to go first because I'm drunk on power. So I tried to pick some stuff that I didn't pick for our feature, the Music of the Year feature, so that way we could hear something new and original. So my first track is called Obspawn, and it's actually from uh, The Dark Eye Chains of Satnav, which I also reviewed, and... I liked it quite a bit. Patrick reviewed it for his blog, Game of Source, um, which is... I liked it a little bit better than he did, but regardless, uh, the music is fantastic. Um, it's by Daniel Pharos and Dominic Morganroth, who are collectively, as VGMDB tells me, known as the Knights of Soundtrack, which is quite a name. But nomenclature aside, <laughs> I, it's the ending track to the game, and it's... It, I picked it instead of the main track, even though I think the main track is a little more noticeable if you play the game. Because it's it sets the mood for the entire game is this like this melancholy but still beautiful experience which for me just really encompassed that entire game. Um, so before I say anything further about it, let's go ahead and have a listen to it.
Yo, so that song was pretty good. Yeah, what'd you guys think of it? Because, I mean, obviously I liked it. I picked it. I detected a... I don't know if it was an influence, but it definitely sounded really Sakimoto to me. A lot of the sort of the overarching, the epic kind of feel to the track. I liked it a lot, and there was some really nice violin there at the end. Oh, that, that yeah, that, that part I really loved. And just, like I said before, too, like, the game has this very, like, melancholy sense of beauty. I mean, the game is gorgeous to look at, especially if it runs yeah. properly, which is kind of hit or miss. But uh, it just, I think that song really encapsulates the game for me. Yeah, a lot of people in America don't know this, but the Dark Eye is like uh, it's like a pen and paper RPG franchise that sort of rivals Dungeons and Dragons in Germany, Das Schwarzen Auge or something. Oh yeah, and and so there have been a number of like PC based uh, role playing games and and uh, other adventure type games, and this most recent one was a point and click adventure from uh, Daedalic Entertainment, which uh, I love them. I really like the Deponia games. I really hope the ending part of the trilogy is as awesome as the rest of it. But uh, Dark Eye has some really solid, I would call it neo-romantic era music, very much in the vein of some of your better film score composers. So I dig it. On a technical level, that was a much better explanation than I could have given. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the piece for the first time I've heard it. I, I'll have to hear it again in a little better quality because I have like my headphones on here. But but from what I heard, it was very relaxing. Yeah, that was a very full-bodied song. A lot of the songs on the on that soundtrack are are relegated to smaller chamber music performances. A lot of duets and trios with like harp and flute. A, you know, a lot of traditional acoustic instrumentation and i really enjoy that is the game like medieval themed because i think that sounds yeah like it's fit, yeah it's it, a medieval it the... medieval style it's... fantasy yeah so yeah. that that those kind of instrument choices seem to fit very well with that like time period so that yeah like sense. it's very like european fantasy style which you know would make sense also, mm-hmm. Pat pointed out while we were listening to it that opspun actually means, I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, but no, that was good. It, it actually means yeah. credits or credited in German. So there yeah. you go. That's your end credits music. So yeah. Yeah. So, well, I'm glad you guys liked it. Um, you know, like I said, that, that whole soundtrack, we, we'll have a review coming from that whenever I can get around to it. But the whole album is just full of great music that just, it, the aural component of the game is just as for me, lavish and gorgeous as the graphics, and also I think the gameplay. It's just brilliant adventure game design. Uh, and I'm a Sierra vet, so I'm allowed to make claims like that. So, But uh, anyways, move on to the next track. Uh, Derek, would you like to introduce us to a cool track? Yeah, so the first track that I've picked uh, to play today is Near the Water, or Mizu no Hotori, from the Piano Collection's Final Fantasy XII CD. Um, which was arranged by Casey Ormond, a really talented uh, pianist who, who we actually had the uh, opportunity to interview. I know that's what you're going to say, Stephen. <laughs> uh, we we interviewed him um, last month, but we're going to be posting that shortly. Um, with this, actually. This feature. With it? Okay. Yes. So uh, it's going to be coming with this podcast. Yes. At the end of the show, you can listen past the credits, uh, or you can get it separately. We'll have our interview with Casey Ormond, uh, yes. who was super nice and... I, I was 
talking to him made me thrilled for him because of the experience he had. But you'll have to listen to the interview to hear more about yeah, that. He's yeah, he's a he's a really cool guy and he's incredibly talented. So, without further ado, this is uh, Casey Orman's arrangement of "Near the Water" from Piano Collection's Final Fantasy XII.
I think that we, Steven and I at least agree that that's the best uh, track on that album. Um, I just love how interpretive Casey Orman's arrangement of that song is. It's so playful and whimsical and it's, I like that it's lively and that has all of these incredible transportive qualities that they really take me away when I listen to that song. I like it a lot. Yeah, when I wrote my review of it, I, I, I guess likened it to Hamamuzu's uh, Besaid from Final Fantasy X Piano Collections, and Casey yep. said that's exactly what he was going for. Really? Yep. Yeah. yeah, it does sound a lot like that. Yep. Manipulating about... the tempo of the original and all that stuff, fun stuff. And what's really crazy about that is, like, in my mind, like those two composers are very far apart. Sakimoto and Hamamuzu are very different people but there's just those occasional moments where the source material like really fits us like a different style and near the water fits impressionism so well so it it was just solid yeah i that that song is actually my favorite track from the original soundtrack too and like in hindsight like when i was talking to don about this album before it came out i was you know i was like oh well yeah i don't really remember the final c12 soundtrack that well but then I went back and played the game and listened to it again, and I just I forgot how, for me, really brilliant the music in that game is, and just like how memorable some of the melodies are. Just because for, when I think Sakimoto, I think of really, really like appropriate, suitable music for the games it's in. Like you know, you have these epic, sweeping battle marches and that sort of thing. So to have an opportunity to kind of slow down, and you have like the Rabinaster theme, or you have you know the near the water, just. It's it's probably for me the most memorable soundtrack from Sakimoto, other than maybe a Final Fantasy Tactics, but that could be because I played that game way too much. Yeah. And I think Casey's arrangement of it was spot on. Yeah. And I gotta say, you know, this is Casey's second album of arranging Sakimoto. First he did um the Valkyria Chronicles uh piano album, which I think some of this I'll attribute to the source material but I don't think it's nearly as good as the FF12 piano. Like, I'm glad it exists, and I'd really like to see this continue. Like, can you guys, like, stop for a moment and imagine, like, an FF Tactics piano collection or a Vagrant Story <laughs> piano collection? Like, yeah, yeah I, I, I mentioned FFT piano to Sakimoto, and he said, just just get on Square Enix about it, because it's all on their hands. Yeah. Derek and I actually asked Casey for it in the interview, too. He said, please cover that. So just... I, also, I also suggested... Apuna, because that music would fan, sound fantastic on piano. I had that's, never heard that until you said that's it not, done. That's not Sakamoto uh, solo, is it? Right? It's a it's Sakamoto and Bass Escape, and a lot of Bass Escape arranging Sakamoto, and a lot of Bass Escape arranging Bass Escape. So it's a giant. The only people who aren't on it are uh, Yoshimi Kuda and Asusa Chiba, because they weren't working at the company at the time. It was a yeah, it's a big collab. That's like a three disc soundtrack. That's a good one. Yeah, I'd never heard it. Don uh, told me to go listen to it, and I did, and it, I liked it's, it a lot. It's pretty good. So let's uh, we'll move into our next track. Uh, Pat, help us out. All right. Uh, unlike Don, Don or, sorry, unlike Steven, Steven was all like, I'm not going to pull things from our end-of-the-year feature. Um, well, I am, because I really Fine. like those soundtracks. So we're going to start with, a uh, soundtrack for a game that came out in Japan in 2012. It's coming to America in 2013. Uh, this is the 14th game in Nipponichi's flagship series, uh, the Atelier or Atelier No Female Name. And uh, the 14th one is Atelier Aisha. 
And uh, this song is called, well, there's four Invitation Flower tracks and then there's a season. So this is Invitation Flower Summer. Uh, The composer is Kazuki Yanagawa, who I think his first track, I think he started with the PS3 trilogy, the the Arlen trilogy with Rorona. And he's uh, gotten a little better with each Gust soundtrack. I'm sorry, I said this was a Nipponichi flagship series. This is a Gust flagship series. Uh, it's just NIS America that publishes this. Okay. Uh, that was a huge mistake on my part. That's a gaffe. Um, but yeah, uh, Gust, basically all they do is the Atelier series, and then they also made the Artanelico games. And I didn't really like Yanagawa's work on Artanelico 3, and I, he started to sort of grow on me, and I really, really like his work on Aisha. So let's take a listen to Invitation Flower.
I, I was saying during the break, or while we were listening to it, that the bass is just... I, I, I discovered recently that I have this strange love of bass that I just... Oh, it's awesome. And especially that, like, little... I don't know. I, would, I guess you can't call it a solo. I don't know anything about music. But the, at the very end, there's that, like, do-do-do thing going on. That, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, the bassist... There are a couple session musicians that have sort of been with Gust for a while. And I think this guy goes by the name Danny, D-A-N-I. And he has been on a lot... I think he started with the first Artinelico back in 2006 and has been on pretty much every Gust soundtrack since then. I really, really like his work and, and the, what he brings to the soundtracks. But I think what I like most about that song is the sort of springy, bouncy synth thing going on there. The like, wow, 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 Like, it's just, it's just jazzy and bouncy. And um, at the same time, like, even with, like, the electronic stuff going on, there's something very natural and very floral and foresty about it. Like, it makes me, like one to run through a meadow. So if anyone else feels that way, let's go do that together sometime. Well, I mean, it is invitation flower summer, so I suppose maybe it takes place in a meadow. It should. Like you're running through a meadow. I like it. I think it's, it's, I'm not sure since I haven't played the game, but I think it's probably the battle theme for summer. I think, I think so. I think it's one of the, one of the battle themes. That would make sense. It's, it's funky. It's very atelier. See, I know it's pronounced Atelier, but I feel weird. I say, I say Atelier. I know. Anyway. I'm not French. The yeah, R it's... is not silent in my brain, which I, you know, I, that's very uncultured of me, but whatever. But the like R it. is it's not... got that Go sort of wangy, I don't know what you want to call it, like that. That's, that's in a lot of Atelier games that has that sort of sound. So it's both iconic of the series and uh, it's it's fun. I like how peppy it is. Yeah, I, I've only really played uh, Atelier Iris, and I beat that one with my brother, and that I got so that good. same vibe from this song that I got from that game. Like, there's just, like, super peppy, like, wow, 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 like, everything is joyful and yeah. normally I, I would like, say whimsical, but, you know. I felt like no soundtrack had topped the old Iris for a very long time, and then I thought Totary got close, and then I think Aisha might be there, so... Yeah, yeah, I, I st- I'm still warming up to the soundtrack. I do not like that most of the old people are not featured anymore. Yeah, it really. It I really miss does the old. I miss the old Gus composers. Yeah, yeah, so, I do too. I'm actually not too familiar. With, like, so when did that change over? Like, was that from like which generation did they? Uh, starting with the Arlen trilogy, starting with Rorona, um, Akira Tsuchiya went from doing a lot of music to just. Uh, being in, like an executive director, like he's moved up in Gust. And then the other two composers, the duo that started on uh, Violet and then really made it big with Iris, that was Daisuke Achiwa and Ken Nakagawa. Uh, they've started to do less and less with each soundtrack. And well, some Ken soundtracks. Ken Nakagawa doesn't even work for Gust anymore. He left. Right. He left after Meridu, so. And then Achiwa just does the some of the vocals on this. And then even Yanagawa is freelance now, so I don't know. He left Gus and they brought him back. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, and it, this soundtrack has a couple of different people. It has like Yu Shimoda, which is a name I don't really know. Somebody else. But I really like the soundtrack anyway. I thought I was really concerned I wouldn't like it, but I feel like they're, they're really retaining the vibe of and the style of the games very well. So I'm happy about that. Say, I'm not as close to that series, but I definitely got the vibe. I mean, it, it felt like Iris to me, so I, I could agree with that. 
Don, yes, with another one. All right, so my good. first, my first selection is from our website's composer, Japanese composer of the year. But also, even if it wasn't, you know, as it was put to a vote, it was my personal favorite composer of the year, and that's Yuzo Koshiro. Woo! It is from a Namco RPG that he composed that was released in October. Um, that only came with like a small preview soundtrack. I cannot deny or confirm that there is a full release in the works but we sure hope so but i i sure hope so too and so this one without further ado is the battle theme when you play as toki there's another battle theme that you play as when you're toa but i didn't choose that one so i hope you guys enjoy it it reminds me of an older game that he composed and let's see if you guys can figure it out
that was the Toki normal battle theme from Toki Towa, Time and Eternity, which I think is has a chance to be localized. Um, so I had mentioned that it reminded me of an older Koshiro soundtrack. And to me, it just screams Wang at Midnight before it went trancy. Oh, old Wang and Midnight, the first one. Yes, the first one. This is where... It kind of has that espionage kind of action-y vibe. Yeah, where it was it all like Kistra. This is where I have to call you guys senpais because I'm actually not familiar with that beyond what Don has shared with me. And I've liked everything I've heard, and I loved when Koshiro played uh, tracks from Wanga and Maximum at MAGFest. But beyond that, uh, this track just... That main hook of that... And yeah, I recorded myself making that sound. Whoops. But it it just... <laughs> that hook just gets me... Like I love Koshiro in general, and just he's so versatile that I think this is just... It's uh, sickening how versatile of a composer he is. And how prolific he is. Like, we, well, I can't say anything about it yet, but I, I have wanted to ask him for a long time how he keeps things fresh just with, just he, he produces so much music and it's all good. Yeah. Yeah, he's, I got to meet him very, very briefly at MAGFest. I came down real quick to get Koshira to sign my copy of Misty Blue, which uh, has a really funny picture of him looking awkward in his 20s. And uh, that photo will be on The Verge uh, probably around the same time this uh, podcast goes up. It's a photo of him having to sign that picture and everyone laughing at the like awkward po- photo of him from 92. It's huh. great. What was uh, his reaction when you brought that CD? Because oh I, I have a similar reaction for what I brought, and he couldn't believe I actually had the soundtrack. Well, yeah. So at first he was like... He was <laughs> so like he's like, wow, you actually own that? Yeah, he was like, wow, you know what that is? And it was like... For me, I mostly had it because it has the arcade version of the ActRaiser soundtrack on it. Like, it uses the arcade soundboard instead of uh, Super Famicom. Uh, but when he went to open it so he could sign the the back booklet, it had that picture of him. And, like, Koshiro's mom was there, and Shota was there, and Audi was there. And, like, everyone just burst out laughing. And he, like, he like hung his head in shame at, like, how embarrassing the photo was. It was fantastic. Wakai Toki no Koshiro-san, huh? Yeah. But so yeah, Tokitowa has like just the graphics in that game. It, it it it's not like Nino Kuni where it's oh Studio Ghibli doing a 3D game. It actually looks it's like an anime that you are controlling. And uh, I'm, that game has to come. I, I we'll just see if Namco does it first party or if they're willing to let X let, do it. Woo! Yeah, I thought right. I heard it was pretty pretty much confirmed, but I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm be shocked if we don't get it. Yeah, All right. I think the producer had you know said that. There was a good chance it was going to be localized. Sweet. Yeah, and we got Project X Zone coming, so I'm pretty sure anything's fair game now. Right, seriously. But uh, so moving to the next track, I'm going to pick again because it's my turn and I'm awesome. Uh, so for my second track, I decided to go with uh, it's from Phoenix Online Studios. Uh, their new game Cognition. Uh, I reviewed episode one, and by the time this comes up, my review for episode two might be up too. Uh, but uh, it's by Austin Haynes, who also did the uh, their fan game of King's Quest, uh, The Silver Lining. And the the jump in quality in Haynes' music from The Silver Lining to Cognition is huge. Just I, I, I don't know what span of time there was between him composing the original music for King's Quest and to Cognition, but I think it's just so much more mature, and I, I think it's fantastic. But the track I picked is, uh, it's called Not a Witch, which, 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 which? Stay alive. Sorry. It's called Not a Witch, and the track plays a little bit later in the game. But uh, yeah, Austin Haynes, Not a Witch, Cognition. 
So yeah, that was uh, Not a Witch, Austin Haynes from the Cognition soundtrack. That song just, probably my favorite song on the soundtrack, and the, the main theme is great too, and all the area themes are excellent, but just that song, the scene it accompanies, it just, it makes that scene so much more because of just this tension in it, and there's that, like, that really dirty, like, crun- Pac said crunchy sample sound going on, and just, when you get towards the end of the track and that piano comes in, it's just, oh, gosh. It, like, it gives me chills. A, pro- not just because I've heard it in the game, because I first heard it on the soundtrack, but, oh, man. It had yeah. a, um, I got a little bit of an Akira Yamaoka vibe from that. Like, very You stole gritty. my comment. No, uh, <laughs> you stole Don's comment. No, you guys are both just very, very well-versed in sweet music. Sniped it. All right, I'll, well, I can elaborate. It kind of was like Akira Yamaoka and Parasite Eve fused together. There. Oh, I you made, you distinguished yourself, Don. I yeah, one-upped it. Me. There we go. Because yep. of the piano. Yeah, yeah the piano. had a primal eyes, like, yeah. It was really, yeah, it had a dirty sound. I liked it. So this is PG-rated, so, but I, so I'll skip the comment that I was going to say. <laughs> about just... Your comment, about your comment. Oh, okay. The dirtiness, <laughs> the dirtiness. Oh. <laughs> so dirty, so, so good. So cognition. Uh, yeah, I know, I know, like, a lot of people sort of panned the game, like, they weren't impressed with the game. So I hope the part two matches up to the quality that Austin's music is. I, I, I thought the game was pretty good, uh, and I'm playing episode two now, and I don't want it's I don't know when this podcast is going to come out, so I don't want to say anything about my review yet because it might not be out first. But uh, it's the creative talent behind that game is brilliant. Um, just the artwork and the writing and the the music is just ooh, love it. But so, Derek, hit us. All right. So my second choice is actually another song by Yuzo Koshiro. And this is from the, uh, not the arranged, but the original Etrian Odyssey 4 soundtrack, or Sekai Juno Make You 4. This is one of the, I believe it's one of the boss themes, and I'm not sure if it's one of the final boss themes. It's the second normal battle theme. Oh, is it really? Yes, it's for the, well, I don't know how it's going to be in this game, but, like, from the first games, like, fourth and fifth stratum. It's way too epic to be a regular battle theme. Yeah, it's a regular battle theme. Well, figures, it's Koshiro. And uh, I hope, hopefully, I get to actually review this game too. But uh, this is uh, from Etrian Odyssey 4. It is called Battlefield Fate is My Pillar.
so I really like that track because it's got that signature combination of guitar and violin. It has kind of a Falcom Sound Team JDK vibe to it for me. I know I keep I, like all of my critiques are it sounds like blah. Oh but, no, that, that's how I, I mean. That's how I relate a lot of music too. Is like, yeah. oh, this reminds me of this. I'm not incredibly well versed in musical terminology. I'm I'm learning, but I really like that track a lot. I think it's it's really high energy and intense. And like I said before, it's if if that really is just a standard battle theme, that's too good. Yeah, I mean it, that what that's what amazes me is first of all that for EO4 he went to the full orchestra or the full instrumentation, which at first I was like, oh man, that's a bummer. I really like the retro sound, but I mean. You can't really argue with the results. I mean, that's a regular battle theme for a 3DS game. And it just, it's, yeah, it, high energy is a good way to describe it. I mean, even within this show alone, you've seen two drastically different songs from Koshiro that are just awesome. Um, it, I find it really interesting that Derek made the comparison to Falcom because even though Koshiro, you know, he wrote the uh, a fair bit of East and East 2, most people don't associate him with Falcom, but then while this was the OST version that we heard, the super arranged version has like Falcom all over it. It's the whole thing was handled by Noriyuki Kamikura, who used to be Bass Escape, but uh, is doing a lot with Falcom now. That has Yukihiro Jindo on it, who's been with Falcom for a decade. And then um, it also had Ryo, Yone, Ryo Yonemitsu, who did the uh, the East Perfect collection arrangements, um, which was cool because that was also Koshiro. And I think um, alongside the people I mentioned, there were also performers from Falcom's JDK band because Kamikura, you know, knew them and was friends with them that appeared there. So there's like this big Falcom connection there. There's a Falcom connection in another soundtrack that uh, is going to be on my list, but. I really do think it's interesting that you made that comparison. And I do think there is sort of an, uh, a new old school Falcon vibe, like the kind of way I would think about like Oath and Felgana. So, yeah. And I, I love this whole soundtrack. It was it was definitely in my top five OSTs for the year. So good. It was in mine, too. And that's the soundtrack is actually a large part of why I want to play the game so much. Um, that and the fact that Etrian Odyssey 4 has that casual mode because... I will freely admit that Etrian Odyssey games kick my butt. Yeah, they're I, too hard. They're yeah, so hard. I, I would appreciate not having to restart every time I die. So that the music has me really looking forward to that game. It's great stuff. Yeah, I, I'm i also looking forward to that game. Uh, Don, would you like to uh, hit us again the, with another track? And by, no, Don, it's my and by Don, I mean Pat. <laughs> it's my turn. Don can't do his track because it's my turn. All right, the second song that I'd like to talk about today is from the soundtrack for Dust and Elysian Tale. This soundtrack features uh, a couple songs from Alexander Brandon, and then it also has most of its music by Hyperduck Soundworks, which is um, Chris Gian and Dan Byrne McCullough, I think. Um, and Chris is, uh, I've known the I've known of him for years. I finally met him at MAGFest this year. He's from Ireland. He's just, he's funny as hell. Um, and his music has gotten progressively better with each soundtrack he's done. Uh, the first Hyperduck soundtrack I ever heard, I can't even remember what it was, but I wasn't too impressed. And then the Ares soundtrack came out in January of this year, and that was pretty good. And then this, like, this came out of nowhere. This Dust soundtrack is, like, one of the 
but it is the most surprising soundtrack because I had no idea it would be this good. And when I heard it, I was just like, oh, my gosh, like it is perfect. It is everything that I love about game music. And he's just channeling all the Japanese greats, like everything I love about like the 16 bit and 32 bit era, plus the channeling of world music and uh, a lot of interesting instrumentation. Like it's like Mitsuda meets Shimomura. It's it's. It's insane how good this music is. The track that I have chosen is track 13 from the soundtrack. It's called The Blackmore Mountains. And I actually, uh, Chris asked me when I saw him at MAGFest, he said, well, what's your favorite song from? I was like, it's a tough call, but I think it's Blackmore. And he was like, that's my favorite too. So let's take a listen.
Yeah, that, uh, like you were saying before, I had never heard of Hyperduck at all. Uh, I'd heard of Alex Brandon because I, you know, who doesn't like Paris, uh, Paris Cathedral from Deus Ex, but, you know, just every track on it was so good. It was, I mean, I, I even told them when I talked to them that every, that soundtrack made me buy the game, which it was also a great game. So support that it was made by one guy. So go support that game and buy it. I love it. It's super duper fun. And just, I mean, I included this on my music of the year and had Bravely Default not come out, it probably would have been my first or second pick. The It's really one of the best soundtracks of the year. Um, and a lot of people still don't know about it. And I've really sort of been um, an evangelist for this one. I, I really tried my best to get the word out. Um, it's on Bandcamp for what, like five bucks or something. Yeah, it's a stupid price for considering, A, how much music you get, and B, how good it is. Yeah, it's like 90 minutes of music, and, and it's so good. And and just FYI to people listening, too, uh, I'm going to have links to find all of this music, the full album, so you'll be able to find it and buy it. And you should totally support these artists because every single one of these soundtracks is fantastic. And, you know, yeah, they got to Consider eat. this your shopping guide. We're yes, good like that. this is your RPG Fan Music Shopping Guide 2012. Don, what do you think of this fine music from my Irish friend? I I liked it quite a bit. It I don't know if I'm just tired or what, but uh, it kind of had a very Sakimoto vibe to me. Okay, yeah, some of some of Sakimoto's some of some of the at least more. some of the parts, some of the parts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can I can actually see that, like just the the kind of long flow to it, and like yeah. Yeah, I, I know. I, I can. When see I think of some of Sakamoto's newer work, some of his more rich and more more organic compositions, stuff that like isn't very much like tactics, but is more like Sakimoto branching out. I feel that. Yeah, like uh, what is it? Labyrinth no Kanata, Beyond the Labyrinth. Uh, that's not Sakimoto. That's Sakuraba. that's Sakuraba. But it is branching out, and it's fantastic. That, yeah, that, that's Sakuraba doing something other than what he's been doing his whole life, which is nice. He does that now and then, though. I thought Botan Kaitos, he did that. But now we're really getting off track. Let's talk to Don about his next pick for... All right. So my next pick came from, I guess, one... Uh, my Our website's uh, best, like, arrange album or remix album, one of those categories. I don't remember. Um, it's from an album called Falcon Boss Zanmai. You can get it from the Falcon store. They do take overseas orders. There's a, it's a little complicated, but uh, it is arranged by Noriyuki Kamakura, which we had mentioned before. And in our website's most recent interview, he said that when the original soundtrack came out, way back when, for Sorcerion, the arrangement for the track I'm about to play called Evil Shaman, he had already imagined doing that in his head. Isn't this album from the 80s? Or the original soundtrack? I believe so, yeah. So he yes. was a very musical child. I... <laughs> Sorcerian goes back to like, yeah, like 88, 89, yeah, 90. Must, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a very musical child. Wow. Well, I'm I... assuming because that's what our interview said since the original release of the album. So um, without further ado, enjoy. I think you'll, you guys will get a kick out of this arrangement. Ready.
yeah, so that was Evil Shaman, arranged by Noriyuki Kamikura, who now works, works freelance, used to work for Base Escape, and is now also part of the Falcom JDK band as a keyboardist. And that was him on the piano. The smooth jazz piano solos. I, I was saying during while we were listening to it, too, that for me, I, I didn't grow up playing Falcom's games. Like, I just, I never had any access to them. Like, I played Wanderers from Yeez on Sega Genesis, which I'm told is awful, but I thought it was cool. But I just, I had no attachment to the music, really. So, like, for me, Falcom is just, like, tons of guitars, wailing. Like, I like it in the game, but I can't remember it, except for more recent stuff. But I love, like, Don's been sending me a lot of their, like, jazzy stuff and just all this, like, really different stuff. And it's, I mean, it sounds so good. It doesn't even sound like something you'd expect, you know, I don't want to say expect to hear in a game. But it just, it, like, you know, it, it sounds like something you'd hear. You'd walk into a sweet jazz bar and you'd hear somebody just jamming on it with, like, a scotch. I liked it. I really liked the saxophone in that. I like scotch. Scotch, scotch, scotch. Super jazzy. Yeah, just... It, it, it's, yeah. it's so I, smooth and diverse that... Oh, I, yeah. And it's very different from the, the original style. Oh, yes. Yeah, is, really, if you... And like, I, you can't always take something and put it in another style and have it work out well, but this is, this is an instance where it worked very well. Yeah, I... Uh, I just recently sent him another email suggesting another Zanmai album for Falcon to consider, and I hope he passes the word along, and I hope it gets comes to fruition. Because, And I even suggested tracks and styles for those tracks, so I was like, I was into it. You were doing a but, lot of the work, huh? Yeah, I, I was like, I just want you to do a Svi Zanmai and then do a jazz version of Dreamworld Serpentina. Please, please, do me a favor. That would be amazing. Cool. Well, I mean, if they're running at the right, they, I mean, it looks like they want one album per comic head. Like, that's the idea. Yeah, yeah. So maybe August we'll see if my idea comes to fruition. That'd be sweet. All right, Steven, lay it on us, man. All right. Well, for my final track, I have selected something from a series that has been way dormant, way too long. Uh, and people are pushing for it on their Facebook and uh, Konami has actually said, we really appreciate your support. No plans at the moment, but if we keep pushing, I mean, there's no way that they'll let a beloved license like Suikoden uh, go to waste. But so my track is from the PSP Suikoden game that was released uh, in 2000. Well, I think the game was actually released in 2011, but the full soundtrack was released on iTunes Japan. Um, there's a truncated version of it that you can get as a disc, but the full soundtrack, which our own Neil Chandran reviewed, this particular track is called Surpass Time, and it's by Miki Higashino. And I think a lot of Suikoden fans are going to recognize this particular song. I mean, I've only played one Suikoden game, and I recognize the song. So uh, without further ado, this is Surpass Time, the menu background music from Suikoden Genso... Sorry, Genso Suikoden Sumugarashi Gakuden no Toki.
that. I mean, if you've ever played Suikoden, I'm sure that song is iconic to you, probably more than it is to me. I've only played five, but in tactics. But um, Don actually wanted me to point out too, uh, Seiji Takamoto did the full soundtrack for this particular Suikoden, um, but I'm unclear if she did the arrangement or if he did the arrangement of her original tune. But either way, that's a fantastic soundtrack overall. And that song just, when you get to the middle of the track and like that 1980s style, like synth comes in, like it just, it's like nostalgia packed into a track for people who are already going to be nostalgic for this song. And just to have that being on the menu is just, whew. It's lovely. It's really a shame that we haven't gotten this game. And I, I hope somehow it gets picked up for a digital release over here because I, I would just love to be able to hear that music in context. And I know there are tons of other people that feel that way too. But Suikoden has has always had some some good music, and that that theme is the number one theme that, that you think of when you hear the name Suikoden. So I just that was it was lovely. It was very gentle, soothing, and nostalgic. Yeah, I agree. And I just think based on the fact that the sound palette very much fits the rest of the OST from the dude whose name I forget, but he goes by Solid Tune. I guess that's like his unit name yeah seichi takamoto solid team. yeah the fact that it sounds like the rest of that soundtrack in terms of the instrumentation really makes me think it was just him arranging higashino's original music um and i i really have to say i'm really impressed with him i, I i've never really heard anything by this guy before and his full soundtrack the one that you need a japanese itunes account to get yeah that was uh, pain. <laughs> that that thing is so good like there's like 80 songs and it's like three and a half hours and it's just it's just so good through and through. Um, this is a great choice from that, so I appreciate you bringing it to us, Stephen. For oh, sure. So uh, Don wanted me to say that he thinks this song is amazing too, and uh, <laughs> yes. So we we are all you know we have an accord. Neil liked it when he reviewed it. We liked it, but. Oh, uh, Don Don also wanted me to let everyone know that I Pat Gan. Am the coolest guy in the universe. So I never said that. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Derek, hit us with your last track and make it a good one, please. Yeah, definitely. So my third track of the night is definitely a good one. It is from the Final Fantasy XI Chips album, and it is a medley of several of the nation themes as well as Ronfar. It's got Sandoria, Bastok, and Windurst, also with Ronfar, which is probably the most recognizable Final Fantasy XI track in there. Love that song. So it is a chip tunified version, obviously being from the Chips album. I think it's really lovely, and it's my it's my favorite track on that album. Uh, I think it does a really good job of of bringing you back into Final Fantasy XI. If you've played it, it's going to be really nostalgic for you. You're going to recognize all the tunes. I'm going to throw in real quick also the arrangements by Sexy Synthesizer, which is a pretty big name in Japanese chip tunes. It's featured very heavily on a lot of their other uh, SQ albums. And if you haven't played it, then you'll probably want to listen to the soundtrack. So it's a great one, and I hope you guys enjoy the uh, Three Nation medley.
you know what I didn't like about that medley? Nothing. Nothing. Except one thing. It's cool that he did a town theme medley, but for me, the areas immediately outside of the towns. So Ronfar, Gustaberg, and uh, Sarita Yeah. Those three songs, to me, those three are all better. And in fact, I think Gustaberg is one of the best songs in all of FF11. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, I feel yeah, like that is a really cool song. I feel like if they had done that medley, because they put Ron Far in here, and it's like, well, if you're going to do that, like, get the other areas that go with the towns, because I, I those are incredible medleys. I think it's Melodies. tough, though. I mean, you know, these are they're they're good songs to put on a label, and for, I mean, for me, I I do like those songs, but I really liked X uh, Eleven Chips was the best of those Chip albums they released, and this is one of my favorite tracks on there, not just because it has Ron Far, but especially because it has Ron Far. Uh, and I mean, I just, the, I think I really like the way it's interpreted, um, you know, which is important for a chip song. Cause I mean, FF nine chips, you had a, the track selection was kind of iffy if you ask me and just some of the tracks felt really phoned in. And I feel like this one didn't yeah. have that problem. It's really peppy. Some of the, I think all of the, all three of the town themes are, they, they have their peppy moments, but this really sort of revitalized all of those tracks including Ronfar, which is a, it's, Ronfar is a pretty slow tempo song. So for it to take all those and really reinvigorate them, it made it a lot more exciting to listen to. And I feel like this song is really celebratory. Uh, So if you've played FF11, you're going to listen to this and be like, yeah, I remember all this stuff. And you'll be listening and it's going to be, you know, the beat is fast and it gets you excited. And I think that's really successful. I, I think that's important, too, when you're mixing MMO music. Because, I mean, in my opinion, FF11 has the best MMO music ever. But, you know, um, with, with the amount of time you no, spend... <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think, Don? Uh, my favorite MMO music comes from the Korean game Granado Espada, but that's just personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. That's too niche for me, even. And I, I'm, like, master of the niche. I've heard of that, but I've never heard the music. Yeah, I, it, I've heard it, of it, but I've never heard it. it. It's a mix of orchestra... Techno, electronica, everything. Yeah, you know, if we had covered, like, live events, that Osamu Kubota concert that uh, they live-streamed, and I think there's a YouTube video that you can watch it all, people should watch that, because that's just so good. But but in regards to this song, I, I'm not a big fan of the Chips albums overall, except for this 11 Chips, because I did think it was the most inspired of all of them. But yeah, this was... Probably my favorite song on that album. Well, it made me happy. It was good. It also made me happy, and I don't have very many memories to attach to Eleven, so I think that's that says, I mean, a lot for me anyway. So uh, yeah, I have no memories. Yeah, I think whatsoever. That... Who are you, people? Who are you? <laughs> uh, I, I think Don, though, that's a big thing with MMO music. Is I think a lot of people come to love it when they spend more time with it. Like I can recognize the music from Lord of the Rings. Like, Lord of the Rings Online. I'm pretty sure nobody could point that music out, but I could because I played that game a lot. So that's really good music, too. Chance Thomas. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I think it's brilliant. I don't think anyone would recognize it, but I love it. Especially the Forest Shell music. Oh, but off topic. Pat, hit us with a song. All right, this is my last one. We're going to talk about what makes it awesome afterwards, but I'm just going to throw this at you. Track five from Rebirth 2, the Romancing Saga Battle Arrange album. It's the four demon nobles battle medley. Here we go.
So, uh, now for me to talk about this. Kenji, yeah, totally metal. Kenji Ito, who did most of the Saga soundtracks. Um, I think he did five of the nine games or something like that. He uh, self-arranged uh, for the Romancing Saga trilogy from Super Famicom. But to do this awesome rock arrange, he was like, I need people who know how to rock. And so he basically borrowed Falcom's JDK band. If you look at the credits, it's like Ito and three or four other guys, and all but one of them are the current JDK band lineup. If you look in the liner notes, you'll never see the name JDK band because they like they weren't officially like conjoining Square Enix and Falcom, which, by the way, would be a cool idea. But uh, basically, Ito is like, I need people who know how to kick ass. So he got you know, all of Kamikura's friends. And I think Kamikura himself does some stuff too. Uh, but it's, it's yeah, just... Yeah, he does the synthesizer work on like five tracks. Yeah, and even like, if you look at the... It was recorded at Studio Foresta, which is like where that stuff's going down. So, like, it was basically Ito calls up Falcom and is like, hey guys, let's do it. And it's, it's just so good. That track is um, the four Demon Nobles battle. There, There's two parts to it there's two different four demon nobles battle tracks from romancing saga 3 which uh if you know people who play import rpgs a lot of people say romancing saga 3 is the best game in the entire saga series um, which just makes me insanely jealous that i've really never had the chance to play it that's some just just really straight rock and that's what this whole album is just straight technical rock it's it's like Black Mages, but you're less likely to know the source material, and it's a little less... Uh, I don't want to be mean about this. Black Mages albums were good, but I think this is a better album, and just musically. I just think it's, it's uh, sharper. I think the musicians are more technically uh, capable than the Black Mages were. So those are my thoughts. I think it's, it's also, for being such hard rock, it's really listenable. I think that the... I, I also like the Black Mages, but th- this sounds terrible, but I find myself skipping Black Mages tracks on my iPhone a lot of the time. So this album I've been listening to quite a bit, and I never skip it. I don't know what it is. I just think it has a it has a cleaner quality, even though it's still really rocking. But I, I like it a lot. I think, you- I, I think for me, I'm I'm not a huge fan of the Black Mages. Like, I've listened to all their tracks, and, like, I appreciate... Because, I mean... They were they were one of the first of their kind, I think, you know, like, oh, well, not the first, but I mean, for me, they were like one of the first, like, hey, this is a band with guys who make video game music that plays video game music and it's rocking. And like, I think as a, as a, like when I was younger, I liked the rock better and now I'm just, I'm, I'm not quite as into it in general, but I, I think this for me hooks me a little better because I feel like it, I don't know, I don't want to say it's more melody driven because the Black Mages certainly are melody driven, but I mean, this just hooks me a lot better. There's something about it that, you know. No, it's good. I like it. All right. Well, uh, Don. So, Don. Take us out, man. You are. All right. All right. So, rather than choosing something from one of my favorite soundtracks of the year, I decided that I wanted to showcase something that maybe many people may not be familiar with from probably my closest composer friend, Tempe Sato. He helped contribute only 13 tracks to Mugen Souls, and I decided to choose one of his battle themes because I love the energy of his battle themes. 
And because he didn't really do any games from Nifanichi this year because the one game I was looking forward to has been indefinitely delayed, even though the soundtrack has a singer that I want to hear so bad, that song, um, that she, she sang for him. I can't say what it is, obviously. But Pat knows. Oh, I'm pretty sure I know. So I decided to give the people who love like his Nipanichi work something that they may not have known about. So without further ado, here's Violence Emotion from Moving Soul. So that was, I'm assuming, a boss theme for Mugen Souls. I haven't played the game. I really have no interest in playing the game, but I like the soundtrack, so I decided I'd pick it. Yeah, I was saying during, while we were listening to it, it just, 
I, I'm not really terribly familiar with Tenpei Sato, but our, one of our other editors in RPG fan, Neil, he, you know, he reviewed the game and uh, actually I think Tuka reviewed the game, but you know, he reviewed the soundtrack and he put it on his top for the year. And I said, oh, I'll check this out. And I mean, for a guy who all I knew him as was the Disgaea guy. And I mean, I liked the Disgaea soundtrack. Um, I just didn't like the game, but just, man, that was, yeah, that was one of his better rock songs. There's a lot to love about Tenpei Sato. And I think, among the four of us, I would guess that, well, Don probably knows his his work the best, but I've listened to, and if you go through RPG Fan's uh, soundtrack reviews archive, RPG Fan Music, excuse me, you will find a lot of cool, rare stuff that, that I've gone out of my way to listen to by Sato, like Bible Master 2, uh, Red the Adventurous Sequence, uh, the Japanese-only sequels in Marl's Kingdom, He's done some really yeah. cool stuff over over time. I, I love his soundtrack for Gunslinger Girl, the game. Oh wow, yeah, that's a that's a good one. I've only listened to that once, and I think it was like streaming from somewhere. But that's a that's that's certainly a rare one. He's done a lot of cool stuff, but yeah, a lot of people just know him as the Disguise guy. Disguise guy, yeah. Yeah, or. Or Nipponichi guy. Yeah, definitely looking forward to Disgaea Dimensions too. Even though it's the direct sequel to Disgaea, I don't know why they couldn't. I mean, it's really hard to name it Disgaea two when you already have a Disgaea two. <laughs> yeah, that's confusing. Disgaea one dash two. Disgaea one two. Disgaea dot two. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So Disgaea Dimensions two. I know he obviously he's back right. for that. Um, that's no secret. So. I real quick, one thing I want to say about just the way the guitar is used, you mentioned crunchy. There is a lot of um hard cuts between that like uh trilled note. And that style very much reminds me of Ryuji Sasai's work on Final Fantasy Mystic Quest, aka USA, Final Fantasy USA. Um that really reminds me of some of those battle themes. Um like just taking it outside of uh 16-bit uh since and just uh like if you brought it live today which this is totally unrelated but for god's sake of all the like the american fan arrangement bands out there that like play awesome stuff at magfest and everything like someone should just do the entire mystic quest soundtrack as a performance man someone do that for god's sake like right now every battle theme in that game is so good it justifies the game existing for me yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so anyway, that's what I thought of when I heard this song. And it really is, you know, I've I've kept close tabs on Sato's work over the years. And, you know, there were things I liked and disliked about Disgaea 3 and Disgaea 4. But this song off of Mugen Souls is really just like a kick in the face. And it shows Sato, you know, he hasn't fallen away at all. He's totally still kicking it. Well, excellent. Well, I think uh, I think that'll about wrap us up for the evening. So again, thanks to everybody for listening. Sorry it took us so long to get this out. Thank you, Pat, for you know your evening. I know you're exhausted. Don, thank you for taking your time to come visit an RPG fan feature. Yeah, anytime, anytime. And I'm just going to make a quick plug. Yes, please do. Seven I was about to ask Dragon, you to. Well, well, visit our website, www.squareenixmusic.com, which will be changing very soon. But also, Seventh Dragon 2022 comes out, so if you want more Koshiro... That's the time to get it, in April. And uh, Derek, uh, thank you again. I've been wanting to do something like this for a long time, and uh, 
Stephen and I are definitely willing to make this into a regular thing if you guys would like to see it as an offshoot of our standard podcast, which uh, we'll keep doing that as well, of course. But if you guys are interested in the music, uh, Stephen and I love to talk about it, and we'd be more than happy to continue. So definitely shoot us an email or let us know in the forums. And thanks, as always, for listening to Random Encounter and its offshoots. After we're done here, be sure to stay listening uh, for uh, Derek and my... Derek and... Derek and I interviewed Casey Ormond, uh, the arranger and performer of the Final Fantasy XII Piano Collections album, or Piano Collections Final Fantasy XII. So, uh, again, for Don, for Pat, for Derek, for me, thank you very much for listening, and catch you later. on the boards and today we've got a very special interview for you joining me today for that interview is my fellow editor Derek Hamesbergen I'm Embryon on the boards and so today we're really happy to get a chance to sit down and chat with Casey Ormond hello there now for those of you who don't know Casey is the arranger and the performer of both the Valkyria Chronicles piano pieces and the more recent final piano collections Final Fantasy 12 album uh, music originally composed by Hitoshi Sakimoto so uh question I always like to start with when we interview musicians is, uh, you know, just what, what's your background a little bit? You know, how did you get into music itself? How did you get involved with, you know, handling, you know, game arrangements, that sort of thing? Well, I, I started out um, more, of a, more of a contemporary kind of player. Like I got really into Ben Folds 5 and, and pop piano and that sort of stuff. Um, and just as just for fun, just playing with friends. In high school, I had a really good teacher who sort of introduced me to, to jazz players and everything. Um, and then that's when I started, got the sort of the the, the urge to you know, listen to lots of different things. And I was a big fan of the FF games. And so when I discovered that there were piano collections of all the FF games, that kind of changed my entire world because suddenly I can play music from my favorite games and all the arrangements are amazing. And so that's when I, yeah, that's when that the music of Masashi Hamauzu, Shiro Hamaguchi, their arrangements became kind of the main influence on my own style. And then, uh, so all throughout high school, I was learning their songs. I was playing that stuff. Oh, that's uh, and awesome. Then, yeah, that, that was like my main deal. Um, and then I went to uh, study jazz at the West Australian Academy of Performing Arts, which is one of the main music schools in Australia. And yeah, then I learned more about jazz. Um, I was still very much into the video game stuff, so there was a couple of assignments, like we had to do a big band chart, and um, I did an arrangement of Traveling Agency from FF10. Oh, interesting. Oh, like, that's awesome. Yeah, it's like a big jazz band thing, which was fun, and it kind of confused a lot of people, but you know, <laughs> you know it satisfied me. I was like, yeah, this is awesome. Um, and yeah, uh, after uni, it was kind of... Um, I was thinking maybe, you know, it'd be cool to write for games. I was still just writing piano stuff. Um, and yeah, I just kept writing piano arrangements as a hobby and, and started, you know, putting things online and, and, you know, trying to, um, get people into my music that way. Um, well, I'm glad so you yeah, did. it's, yes, so me too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, I mean, it's been kind of lucky for me, um, that I got into this when social networking got, 
to where it was because that's that's how I got to meet Sakamoto. I didn't realize how easy it was to connect with you know your idols when you know you can just literally talk to them directly on Twitter and then something can actually happen that way. That's, that really is neat. Yeah, that's actually the that was the next question we were going to ask you. Um, if you wouldn't mind telling us the story of how you actually got hooked up with Sakimoto-san to make this album. Yeah, um, that was I'd started like I said before. I'd, I'd been putting stuff online. I had um, in I think 2009. I started writing um, the Sky City of Bajerba arrangement. It's the same arrangement that's actually on the album now, the official album. I, I you know prettied it up a bit. I changed a couple of things for the official album. But yeah, I was just making writing that as a hobby because I'd just finished FF12 and as yet there was no piano collections coming out and I was like, oh, why, why isn't there a piano collection for this? There's so much great music. Oh, I guess I'll just do it. And so I decided to do like an unofficial um, thing. I had all these different songs planned. I got, I finished Bajerba and Eret Village uh, and just as a fan tribute and I'd done some other Sakamoto songs as well and I was just, you know, showing people online what I'd done, and uh, Don Katowski from Simo uh, found the link to Sky Cedar Bajerba, and then just overnight he had sent it off to Saki's Twitter, and then the next morning I had a, like a DM from Sakimoto saying, "Oh, this is great! You know, we should keep in touch." And you know, mind blown. That's just, yeah. That that's got to be like, oh, okay, yeah, no problem. We'll keep in touch. Idol. Yeah, yeah. I, I was <laughs> just like kind of dancing around my room, going, "Oh my god! Oh my god!" Um. Yeah, unbelievable, because it was uh, just a, a fan project. I had you know no expectations of it. It was just something to do as a hobby, and then suddenly this idol of mine is like, yeah, that's that's actually really good. Um, and at that point still, it wasn't. I didn't think that I'd be doing anything official with him. It was just like a, a cool geeking out moment. Um, but regardless, I kept after that. I got more into Sakimoto, and I started looking at different soundtracks, Valkyria, and everything. And every time I would make a new chart of his music, I'd send it to him, to his address at Basescape, and um, see what he thought. Um, and that, again, it was just, you know, so I could get some nice feedback. Um, but it was also uh, every time he'd say, oh, that's really great. And then eventually he was actually coming to Sydney in 2010 to do a recording for a soundtrack. And so he said, oh, well, I'll be in Australia. Why don't you come along and um, we can meet up? Oh, that's fantastic. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was great. It was really lucky because he he um, I think this was no, it wasn't when he was working with Eminence. But yeah, he often works with orchestras in in Australia. So it was lucky that um, we could meet up like that. Yeah. So I went over there and got to meet him and some of the Bass Escape team, and uh, we had you know dinner and talked about stuff. And then we we that was when we first discussed you know an official collaboration. I had by this time I was buzzing with ideas. I was like, "Oh, we could do like you know, like a a collection of songs from different Ivalice games. We could do Valkyria Chronicles. We could Ooh. do FF12." Um, but of course, I was still a pretty much completely untested arranger and performer, so I couldn't jump straight into the FF12 soundtrack because you know no one knew who I was. Um, you know, Sakamoto was a fan, but you know, Square Enix needs you know a lot more. I was going to say, I think an endorsement from Sakamoto is a uh pretty big deal but it's, it is yeah but i also had to um i had to prove it i had to do something that and now that i think about it doing the, i'm talking about the valkyria chronicles cd which we decided on during that meeting um 
that was it was something that I guess I guess Sega was less um, guarded about the the Valkyria franchise. They were they're more open to letting a newcomer sort of work with it. Um, and so yeah, I I did that album, and that was my first time like writing an official thing, and in a very short amount of time. Like at first, it was like uh, I got the um, information of what I what I should do, and it was like we need ten to twelve songs, and you have a month. Wow, that is a short time frame. <laughs> You're like, okay, no problem. Yeah, yep. no problem. All nighters, <laughs> coffee. Yep, just put, just throw that together. No worries. Uh, and I had a bit of a head start actually. I had already worked on the Valkyria Chronicles two theme um, as a as a fan project, and so I had a bit of a head start. But apart from that, it was just I had to dive in, pick songs, and and write them, and record them. For that one, I recorded them here. Um, and Saki was still in Japan, and we just kind of emailed back and forth and, and worked on it that way. Um, and so, yeah, that was that was sort of the start of my sort of official portfolio. And then that's they were able to use that to negotiate later on earlier this year with Square and and say, you know, um, this guy's got some skills. He's got so, some chops. Uh, yeah, and um, yeah, that went a, a long way to helping me get onto a much bigger project like FF12. Still, that I mean, that's exciting. Sakimoto in general. I mean, Valkyria Chronicles is pretty well beloved, and I think I lo- I thought <clears throat> a I thought the soundtrack to that game was fantastic, and b I thought the piano album was excellent too. And this was before. Thank you. You know, I, I I only recently started talking to Don, and you know he you know he introduced me to zillions of musicians and that sort of <clears throat> thing. And uh, you know, I, I had said we were talking about piano albums, and I said, you know, oh yeah, I, I like the, the Valkyria Chronicles album. And he goes, oh yeah, Casey Orman did that. He's super cool. And, uh, you know, so, I mean, that wasn't the exact conversation, but this paraphrase. It was. It was word for word. <laughs> yeah, we're very, we're very cool. technical. And uh, so, you know, have you heard that album, Derek? The Valkyrie Chronicles piano pieces? Oh, I feel so shameful admitting it here, but no, I haven't actually. I actually haven't even listened no, I... to most of the original soundtrack for Valkyrie Chronicles. Like, I own the game, and I've only gotten a couple hours into it, and I, I don't know why I'm kind of holding out. Like, I wanted to experience it in the game first before I listen to anything else. Sure. I, I, I have no excuse. Yeah. I have, it's just, it's awful. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, yeah, definitely finish Valkyrie Chronicles. That's an awesome game. Yes. And then listen to the piano collections. <laughs> Get the whole experience. <laughs> the complete yeah. piano experience. Will, for sure. Well, based on your FF12 album, there's, I don't think there's any, uh, question. I'm going to like the Valkyria one. Uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I listen to it again now that because I think I think doing FF12 developed my style even more and, and you know it got better doing that album and then I went back to Valkyrie thinking oh this will sound sort of simple and yeah I went back to it and, and I thought oh, yeah, yeah it's still pretty good you know I was um yeah it's, it's funny how you um yeah you you sort of are very critical of things that you you do even even just a year ago I thought you know. Um, when I finished Valkyria, I was like, oh, that was okay, but, you know, there's no way I could do FF12, and then, you know, it came up anyway. Yeah, it, I think it, that's the nature of any kind of, any kind of, like, you know, writing music, uh, you know, writing words. I think we all tend to criticize ourselves too much, and I, yeah. you know, I think that your your work is pretty amazing, so I know <laughs> that you're, you know, people are always their own worst critics, but you definitely uh, don't need to worry about the quality of your work, for sure. Yeah. See, Casey, we ask you questions and we give you praise. We're the best interviewers ever. You're such it's a cool great. guy. Yeah. You Loving have a great this. Beard. That, that, 
I did. I do find that interesting, though, because I mean, like like Derek was saying, I'll go back and read something I wrote, you know, for RPG fan. I, I was saying the other day, I read my first review of Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep, and I just I was like, wow, they hired me, man. <laughs> but, you know, it, you know, it's it's a I think it's a growing process. And I, I do think in my opinion, I think your arrangements are a little more, I would say, like mature. I, I don't have very good musical terminology, but. You know, I I definitely got a sense of evolution from the Valkyria Chronicles album to uh, yeah, it's FF12. a time thing too. It's because I had a month for Valkyria, but I had nearly half a year to work on the FF12 arrangements, and yeah, I was able to yeah, like you say, a bit more mature. I could sort of dig into those songs a bit more, and then just have a bit more time to really feel out the the melodies and to really get inside those songs. Whereas Valkyria was just kind of a mad rush and that, that sort of rush to finish everything was also a really good creative fuel, but it created a, a different kind of arrangements where it's just like yeah, the excitement of never having done something like that. And, and that actually was a good um, boost. But then having the time to spread out you know, the songs and, and really get into them, that was also a good way to work as well. Yeah, like the, the state of mind you're in when you're I, I, you know, I, I say writing, but when you, you know, when you're arranging, writing definitely has an impact on the the work you produce. So, mm-hmm. I know uh, a lot of piano albums I hear. You know, I mean, I, I guess it varies. I don't want to make a blanket statement, but you know, a, a lot of times when you hear a piano album, you either get a very conservative arrangement or you get a very liberal arrangement. And I think yours are very, at least in my opinion, and I, I don't know how you feel about this, Derek, but they're a little bit more interpretive because. You know, Sakimoto's melodies just tend to be real. I think they're very complex, and he sounds, he has like a really distinct sound compared to someone like, you know, Uematsu or something like, you know, yep. it's very like, you know, ba- the, the grand march of battle, these sweeping sort of, you know, right. distro pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, it's did really you have, layered. Did you have a hard time kind of, like, is it, what's the experience like when you're working with music of, I would say, that complexity to say, all right, I need to arrange this for piano? Um, there's, well, like you say, like you can recognize a Sakamoto song pretty much straight away. It's just really distinct style. Um, and that that quality of and I think Uematsu has it as well. Like you listen to a song by Uematsu and, and you can you can tell it's him pretty much straight away even if you've never heard it before. Definitely. And I think like that's that's the quality that makes a composer that like that's that's the the um the quality that an arranger wants in a composer that they have something unique, and then that's what you're chasing when you're arranging. You're trying to capture their sound, but also bring your own sound into it. Um, and you're right. Like a lot of my songs uh, are more interpretive and, and and change change things up. Um, it's kind of it's kind of a conscious thing. Like um, like the tradition with the piano collection series is. Um, to have so many different piano styles, even within one album, uh, it kind of reflects, you know, the, the writing style and, and just the tradition in the games themselves. Is like in, you know, in FF games, you have a lot of different. Like there will be like uh, hard rock, you know, boss numbers, um, and then there'll be like a you know Latin song, like, and then there'll be yeah. There's just so many different styles, and the piano collections are always up to matching that they, you know you'll have can have latin piano songs you can have really dramatic songs you can have nice little ballads yeah like um, if you so, listen to like the final fantasy 10 2 piano collection that that's that actually i had only recently yeah. heard re- i had only heard that recently and that one's got a there's you know you can really tell there's a lot of you know variety to it in terms of yeah it's great style. it's really improvisatory and everything yeah it's a fantastic one 
Um, and with Sakamoto songs, there's there is a lot of range, um, but there's not quite as much stylistic range as a Uematsu soundtrack. Like he has his own range of moods and things that he uses. He has like these really nice, upbeat, bouncy songs. Like um, uh, what's one from Valkyrie? You know, um, the Summer and Land Seal. Yeah. And so that that arrangement is nice and bouncy. And but then he's got you know the really dark songs and obviously lots of battle songs and 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 marches, like you said. Um. So even though he has um, his own stylistic range, which is different from Yamatsu-san's. I was still like, well, I think there's still things you can do within that. Like, I can still choose to maybe do one song as a pop piano ballad, one song as like a tango, just as kind of as a challenge to my own writing. Because I'm a kind of a believer that um, when you're a writer and a um, performer, you should kind of be writing songs that are a little bit ahead of your actual skill. Oh, absolutely. Happens anyway. Yeah, just so you. Are always challenging yourself. Um, it's also easier to write harder things, and, to, and then when you actually get round to having to perform them, and you realise what you've done to yourself, and it's like, oh, <laughs> that was yeah, there was a lot of practice <laughs> for this album. Yeah, I yeah. what I'd that, written for myself. <laughs> that actually that that makes me think of. So I don't know if you're allowed to talk about this or not, but the mm-hmm. what, you actually performed the album. What was that like? Like, did you you know did they put you in like a booth and say, all right, go, don't make a mistake, or you know, was it you know? Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah, we um we got a studio here in Perth, uh, Crank Recording, which is one of the best studios in Australia, um, and we got a Yamaha Grand and yeah, just a nice big studio. Um, and yeah, the, we we do we just do a couple of different takes, and then we can um, if there's any problems with the takes, then we can. Um, you know, edit them, we can you know, fix them up. But for the most part, yeah, it's just live performance recorded, um, you know, editing out little, you know, pedal sounds and you know, small things like that. Um, and yeah, so there's, there was a pretty intense session. You know, there's a, a lot of songs to get through. And most of the songs, that was actually another difference between Valkyrie and FF12 is when I actually finished writing all the songs and then I looked at them and um, it was like an hour of music. And Valkyria is only 40 minutes, and each song was, I think, on average, like five minutes. Um, so, yeah, a lot of music to record. Um, um, but, yeah, sure no, the studio experience pretty... was... Pardon? Sorry? I was going to say, I'm sure it must have been... that It was intense. I mean, just considering the the sort of scope of each song and how complex mm-hmm. they are, I imagine that it must have been a, a pretty tiring experience, but definitely it was it paid off. It did, yeah. Actually, the, the last day of recording was actually on my birthday, um, and that was the busiest day. But then after that, we all went out, me, Saki, and, and some of the people, and yeah, that was a really nice birthday. Oh, that sounds yeah, that literally sounds living the, literally living the dream. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty great. Um, so yeah, no, the exterior experience is fun. It was um, Saki's really patient, and and then we just go through bits of the song. He actually had very little um, feedback with the arrangements. He was just quite happy with what I did with it, even even with the more interpretive ones, like changing to Walk Amongst Gods to a jazz thing. You know, he's he's really into, I think he's just really interested in hearing his own music in all these different ways, um, which is good for me because I do like to change it up as much as I can. Um, yeah. Actually, one, speaking of um, like the writing style, um, I tend to like some of the songs... I feel don't have to change too much. Like the Arcadian Empire is kind of 
sort of like a transcription in the form, like it follows the form pretty much exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas some of the ones like Arid Village, I know some people have, have listened to Arid Village and, and are kind of like, you know, what's he done? He's changed it so much from the original. Um, some of the ones are kind of, they're like alternate themes to the original themes. Like it's, it's kind of like, embarrassingly, it's almost like, like fan fiction. Um, <laughs> Arid Village... It was a, a version of the theme that was like, what if it was sort of um, Fran's version of that theme? Like the character Fran, she's oh, I like that. from the village and she was cast out. She can't hear the voice of the wood anymore. And so it's kind of a more darker, contemplative version of the song. And obviously I can't, you know, say I, when it was still a fan project, I was planning to give the titles of each song like different things like, you know, Fran's version of the theme. Uh, Damask Estesan was another one that was originally the whole song was going to be like in the intro, sort of like a lullaby style. Mm-hmm. And I was going to call that one Delmaskin lullaby. You know, it's, it's, it's my fandom really, you know, geekiness kind of comes out with the, some of the concepts for these songs are as like, you know, I, I like love that a lot Ivelisse. though. Yeah. I, I just, I love Ivelisse so much. I was like, I wanted to kind of write my own stories within that world with different versions of the songs. Oh, I like you. Yeah. That's pretty, <laughs> pretty fantastic. Uh, I, I'm I'm pretty sure Derek will agree, but Evil um, my favorite Final Fantasy is Tactics, other than Nine. But the Evilists, just that whole world is just so detailed, and just to hear you say that, you know, a you're a fan of it, and that was kind of the angle you approached writing the music for it. I just think is, I mean, I think that's what anyone listening would want to hear. I mean, that's that's it's well, coming yeah, from I, a place I, of love, you know. Yeah, I've got a, a lot more experience as a fan than a than a um, musician with the Final Fantasy series, really. Um, and Ivelisse is like, it feels like, um, just the whole combination of like Sakamoto's music and the writing and Akihiko Yoshida's designs and the art style is just, it feels so tangible. It feels like a world that's kind of always been there. And then the games are like a window to it. It's like, any good universe feels like that. Sorry. Uh, Yoshida is probably my favorite artist. So I completely agree and understand that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, um, to ask you another question to sort of segue, um, so Stephen and I agree. I think both of our favorite track on the album is uh, Mizuno Hotori, the Near the Water. And yep. do you have a favorite on the album? Um, ooh. I know that's hard to ask. Pick you wrote it, your, so I mean, pick one of your children. Tell us which one is your favorite. Yeah, <laughs> one of the thirteen children. Yeah, <laughs> in order. What are the best? Um, yeah, Near the Water is actually one of my favorites too. I um. In the review that Don did, he mentioned how similar it was to Besaid Island from the FF10 piano collections, and which was spot on because that's pretty much exactly what I was trying to get really? the style of. Yeah, that, I love that um, Masashi Hamuzu's when he when he gets like a really light melody and he can he can just make Dance the piano with- sound so beautiful and bubbly and everything. And I wanted to get that really nice light style. I think it's the most Hamuzu type song that I've done. I, I, I think um, I'd agree with that too. Yeah. I mean, you know, based on the two albums I've heard and you know, other projects you've done, but mm-hmm. um, the fa- my favorite one, a moment's rest as well. I was really happy with how that came out. Um, uh, yeah, we don't want to put you uh, on the spot. It's just, uh, it's just interesting to hear from from the perspective of the person who wrote it. Yeah, the, um, uh, another one that was uh, I was happy with um, Ash's theme was uh, one of the ones, most of the songs I chose and then asked if they were good for the track list. Um, 
Asher Seam was actually one that Saki recommended for me oh, to really? do. Oh, really? And at first, I was like, I wasn't sure what to do with it because the original is, um, it has that sort of dark bit in the middle, you know, it's like this sort of strange dark melody, like kind of unconventional for a heroine's theme. Yeah, because she has, you know, she's kind of, especially throughout the plot of 12, that's sort of, you know, what she gets into that, that conflict of, oh, am I going to use this, you know, the Nethysite and, you know, it's been a while. Yeah, she's got that, that, yeah, really like that. She's driven by revenge, but has to not use the power for evil. Yeah, that really great arc that she has. Um, and in the middle of, of her theme is that really like almost uh, dungeony kind of music right in the middle of it. And the original uh, version of that arrangement had something like that. It had a soft intro and then a really jarring kind of middle bit, and then the nice soft bit at the end. And, um, but then, yeah, Saki specifically said he wanted it to be more more bright and, and sort of um, uh, tender, I guess. And so, yeah, that's that's how that one turned out. And yeah, so that was that that one actually felt more like like the Valkyrie ones because that was one that he recommended I write nearer to the end of the project. And so, I had to quickly sort of look into this song and find a a, a direction for it. I think there's a good contrast too, and and between the way that you did um, Ash's theme and Penelope's theme, because they're they're two they're pretty pretty opposite. And I said that in my review. I mean, just in terms of how Ash is like a she's a dark, complex heroine, and not to say that Penelope doesn't have any complexity, but she's you know she's like the more lighthearted um, sort yeah. of happy character. And I really like the way that you brought that out in both of those themes. Yeah, it's it's, it's interesting that they they put them side by side. It was a good placement, I think. I think so too. Yeah. So I'm not sure if you're allowed to say, but was there any were there any songs that you worked on that didn't make it to the album, or you know anything that you know material that was cut that you know? Oh no, not um, not whole songs. No, I mean the the all the songs have about you know four or five extra pages of stuff that I I can't use. I tend to with an arrangement, I'll write quite a lot of stuff, and then when I'm putting it together into a song, not all of it is compatible. So there's probably ugh, like half an album's worth of cut material just from the original tracks that I chose. But yeah, there was there was no songs that I I didn't you know send anything and they said no that's no good. Um, Saki was was pretty pretty um, enthused about whatever I sent him. You know he I had a, quite a lot of freedom to to choose styles and everything. Well, very good. Is there a this is another thing where. A little reluctant to ask, but is there any chance we might see you working with Sakimoto again, perhaps on something Ramza related? <laughs> I hope so. Please. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I yeah, I can't really confirm or deny anything. You know, it's it's we've only just finished this one. Absolutely. Um, but of course, yeah, I'd love being to fans. do. Yeah, yeah, um, and as a fan myself, I would definitely love to do tactics. Um, I think I think even a a tactics suite might work like songs from tactics and advance and a2 oh yeah um there's a lot of amazing songs actually tactics advance was the first game that i sort of first started getting into sakimoto's music really with. yeah there's something about that there's so many gorgeous melodies in that is the, the sort of the light-hearted version of sakimoto was like really um affected me and um uh, yeah i'd love to do music from that game too um i i, I think yeah, that is so, fingers crossed Yes, I'll, I'll cross mine too. That, that's interesting too, though, because I, I agree. I wasn't the biggest fan of the game Tactics Advance, uh, mostly because I was one of those people complaining. I was like, it's not Final Fantasy Tactics. Arr! 
And kind of, and <laughs> yeah. kind of in hindsight, I appreciate that game more. And I agree that it was really interesting to hear the music. It, it, it's undoubtedly Sakimoto, but you get this. Mm. It, it, it's lighter, exactly like you said. It, it, it's a little. It, it's in keeping with the tone of the game, and I thought it was a really nice change from Sakimoto because you know his his music tends to have a lot of weight to it. And, uh, but yeah, he can still surprise you with, like, he can make really playful, delightful melodies too. Absolutely. As well as these big, you know, dark battle themes. It's a lot of range. Definitely. Yeah. So uh, I guess maybe we're delving into stuff we can't talk about too. But, like, if you were to work on, say, like, you know, like Final Fantasy Tactics, like, are there any songs that you really like that you, you know, would say, like, oh, it would be so cool to arrange this? Like, I've always dreamed of arranging mm. Trisection or, you know, Antiparetic or something. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, trisection. Yeah, that's a. I'm trying to think of the titles. Uh, oh, the battle on the bridge. That's a great one. Has, yeah, that's that's great one. Um, you have good taste. <laughs> Avelia's worries. Um, that theme. That that's. There's a lot of good recurring themes in the in the soundtrack. Absolutely. Um, I have actually done an arrangement of Avelia's worries, but it's no longer available because of the whole work with Sakimoto. Yeah. Um. But that's in the vault, so maybe it'll be come out again. Maybe so. Um, and yeah, tactics and in tactics advance. There's just a lot of really good battle themes. Um, the the what is it? The friends who surpassed something like that. Uh, I can't remember the, the titles, but yeah, there's there's plenty. I I could probably make a list if I had time. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's interesting. I, uh, I I think with tactics, tactics was my first exposure to Sakimoto and. I mean, I remember I was I was considerably younger. I had just finished Final Fantasy VII. I didn't know what it was. I just saw, oh, Final Fantasy. I really like that other game with that cloud guy. I'm going to get this. Yeah. And just musically, Final Fantasy Tactics is such a departure from Final Fantasy VII. I mean, they're both... I, I like both oh, the yeah. soundtracks, but I mean, that, that first battle when Trisection starts and everybody starts marching in place, I mean... Yeah, yeah in the that, rain and the... Yeah, I mean, I, I, I hear that in my dreams sometimes. I see that moment. I'm like, that is like one of the, the seminal moments I've had playing, growing up playing games, you know? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. If you ever get a chance to do that, wink, wink. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, uh, another question I ask every musician we, we, we work with uh, what's your favorite music? You know, like your favorite, like, you know, game soundtrack, you know, maybe non Sakimoto to, you know, freshen it up you know, non-video game music, that sort of stuff. I mean, you said you like jazz. Um, I, I got into uh, uh, a lot of, like, bebop stuff, uh, Thelonious Monk especially, um, or uh, Brad Meldow as well. He's um, a modern player and, and, yeah, really interesting harmonic stuff. Um, we, um, yeah, uh I've mentioned Ben Folds earlier. He was like the main influence for me before like the FF stuff. Like I, I literally learned every song that Ben Folds 5 made. And uh, and then, yeah, I, uh, for for game soundtracks, yeah, it has been the FF series, um, Sakimoto um, games and everything. Um, and, you know, the classics, yeah, uh, Chrono Trigger, all, all of the... Mm-hmm. All of the really good ones. That's actually another album that I'm surprised there hasn't been a piano collections of. Yeah, that yeah. Uh, series. We were going to ask you that actually. Um, just sort of to segue out of that, are there any um, non Final Fantasy soundtracks that you'd like to work with, or any game in the world well, even? Yes. Like Dream Project. 
Yeah, I, I guess, I guess, yeah, Chrono Trigger. If if I can just go mental and just say any game, oh, Chrono right. Trigger, uh, the Persona Three and Four soundtracks. Oh yes, <laughs> fantastic stuff in there. Like I'm looking at one of the characters right now on your Skype avatar. Yes. De- uh, yep. De- Derek, is no- fan. Derek is our notorious Persona lover. Yeah, I'm the guy. Uh-huh. Yep. the Persona guy. I'm actually playing. I'm playing Golden right now. It's excellent. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Persona, um, uh, Chrono, Persona, oh, Secret of Mana. Oh, yes. Yeah, Secret of Mana 2 and 3. Um, lots of cool stuff in there, too. Uh, I think, uh, the, yeah, Hiroki Kakuta's music is really well suited for piano. I, I, I would agree. It's And it's it's really, com- like, again, I, I've said this about every composer so far, but it's very distinct. I mean, you know when you're listening to Kakuta. Like, I mean, e- oh, even yeah. growing up, like, I would say, I was like, this isn't the guy that did Final Fantasy, you know, before I knew, you know, who was who and all that sort of thing. This is just mm. so different. His music is really rich. Yeah. Oh, yeah, really dense, really, um, yeah, there's a lot of meat there. It'd be really fun to arrange songs <laughs> from that. All right. Well, I mean, that's that's sort of the all the questions we really had. You know, it was a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for making time for us. We know Thank you. it was really crazy because... Derek is in Derek is on the West Coast. I'm on the middle of the U.S. You're in Australia, so it's lucky we found a time that worked. Yeah, yeah I, I appreciate your uh, your working with us. I really wanted to make sure we get this in because I ah, right, sure. I was a huge fan of the Piano Collection album, and I would love to see you working with you know other albums in the future. Because I mean, I think uh, Pat Gann reviewed on RPG Fan. He reviewed the Valkyria Chronicles album, and he That's pointed right, out yeah. he pointed out that this is the you know, this is kind of—it's sort of unprecedented to have a non-Japanese working on the arrangements. You know, like, and I, I really like yeah. that because I, I reviewed uh, Jim Guthrie's uh, Scythian Steps album, which was the Sword and Sorcery EP arrangement for Japan, where they got a bunch of really famous Japanese composers to rearrange, you know, a Westerner's music, and you know, it was such a, a great fusion of different styles that I was really excited when. You know, I found out that you'd be able to do the piano collections for twelve, so it's sort of unprecedented. So, I mean, you're, you know, you're a big deal, man. Yeah, it's great. I, I hope it's a trend that continues. Um, I actually have a friend who, funnily enough, um, also from Perth, uh, also has worked with a big name, uh, Kevin Penkin. Do you know he? He's uh, worked with Yamatsu. Really? On uh... Uh, on on a uh, soundtrack for an. an Otome title on PSP. It's a Japanese name. I can't remember right now. But yeah, he also um, just... Oh, I think I know what you're talking there. about. I, I forget I, the name of it, too. Is it... It's, it's a Juzengi something. Yeah, we actually... Yes. Yeah, we. I, I actually just had somebody review that soundtrack. I, ah, okay. I, I didn't know that. That's really cool. Yeah, um, we... Uh, he actually... He came along um, one of the days of the recording and sat in. And and yeah, we're uh, good mates and... Um, yeah, he, he's worked with Yuumatsu. He's written soundtracks um, with Yuumatsu. You like Yuumatsu's written the main theme, and then he's done the rest of the soundtrack. And, and yeah, he's he's really going places. He's great. That's again, like you said, it's a trend I hope to see continue because I think yep. we can only get good things out of it because you just you get such a fresh perspective. Because I mean, Square's music is so prolific and it gets rearranged so much. I mean, they released mm. you know I think it was something like nine albums this year. Of yeah, it was music. a huge year for them with music, yeah. Yeah, and it's mostly good because, and I think that's in part because they're getting these fresh faces to come in and interpret it. I mean, and in a lot of cases, like with the Final Fantasy Tribute album that just came out, you have people mm-hmm. that grew up listening to this music arranging it, so you have this really different perspective. 
yeah, I think that yeah, that you I think you kind of nailed it there with there's now this whole generation that's um, suddenly like the fans that like their work is just exploding. You got you know all this interesting artwork and and people making their own music and there's such a huge there's so much talent like online with people just doing this stuff for free just for fun just out of the love of doing it and it's, it's great that that a company as big as Square is actually you know reaching out and, and looking at things um, and yeah and I mean Basiscape was that sort of company too they they recognise that sort of thing and they and that, yeah lucky enough to to get me on board. So yeah, I hope it's something that continues. It, it, we all benefit from that, I think. We do. <laughs> well, again, uh, for Derek uh, and myself, thank you so much for your time. Uh, it was thank fantastic you. speaking to you. Um, great work on the album. Uh, I mean, I'm like I said, I'm going on a long road trip. It's on my iPod for for heavy listening. <laughs> great. So, and uh, uh, for for those of us that haven't heard the album, uh, where can we get that, Casey? Um, the easiest way to get it is on iTunes. Uh, you can import it as well. I think Play Asia and a couple of different sites um, to get the you know the booklet, CD, and everything. Um, there's also the sheet music book is coming out on Amazon on the 23rd of December. Ooh, how cool! If you want to learn them, um, and if you want to complain about how hard they are to me, you can follow <laughs> me on at Casey Ormond on Twitter. Um, Wonderful. And I'll on there. I just talk about stuff that's coming out with the album and. Also, I'll once once I find out the best way to get the book because I've it's on I know it's on Amazon Japan right now and then I'll just give people an update once I know um, where else you can get it. Fantastic. All that sort of stuff. That is really neat. And if you guys haven't seen it already, I did review Casey's album. It was amazing. If you haven't gathered that already from this interview, and you can find that on RPG Fan as well. Excellent. All right. Cool. Thanks very much. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks so much for your time, Casey. It was really a pleasure. Cheers. It was great. Thanks. Thank you.